Today is the first Sunday in Lent, which is a 40-day season devoted to fasting and repentance. And as is the case every year, we kick off the season of Lent by remembering and by considering the 40 days that Jesus spent fasting in the wilderness. It's a reminder that, that as we observe Lent, and really as we observe the entire Christian year, we are walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And, and so we'll get, to, we'll get to Jesus's 40 days in the wilderness here in just a bit, um, but I actually want to begin with today's Old Testament reading, 1 Samuel 16. We're going to be bouncing back and forth between 1 Samuel and the Gospel of Mark today, so buckle up. In 1 Samuel 16, the prophet Samuel is sent to Bethlehem to anoint a new king from among the sons of a man named Jesse. Now, I don't want you to picture a a private conversation between Samuel and Jesse. We are told that the elders of Bethlehem met Samuel at the city gate. So although this anointing did take place in secret, they were trying to hide it from King Saul, it did take place in secret, but at the same time, it was a political event. There were witnesses to this anointing. And Samuel and Jesse and the elders were convinced that they knew what sort of king the Lord would choose. The nation of Israel needed a tall and and strong and charismatic and physically impressive king. The Philistine army was coming. And so Israel needed a warrior king. Verse 10. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And so they call for the youngest, David. And when he arrives, God commands Samuel to anoint him as the rightful king of Israel. And we're told in verse 13 that the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. But keep in mind, the the anointing of David as the king of Israel did not trigger his immediate enthronement. He was anointed as king, but he wasn't yet made king. David was marked out as the rightful king, but he wasn't yet given authority. He wasn't given authority for several more years. And this this sequence of events runs parallel to the life of Jesus. When Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River, he was being anointed as the rightful king of Israel. And just like David, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon Jesus from that day forward. But the anointing of Jesus did not trigger his immediate enthronement. It would be several more years before Jesus ascended to the throne. It would be several more years before Jesus was given, quote, all authority in heaven and on earth. And so again, that the life of David runs parallel in many ways with the life of Jesus. David was not the sort of leader that people would have chosen. And Jesus was not the sort of leader that people would have chosen. Whether to fight the Philistines or to fight the Romans, The people wanted someone who could lead them into battle. Now, of course, 
both David and Jesus, do turn out to be mighty warriors, just not in the way that people expect it. So with, with all that said, let's turn to Mark chapter 1. Jesus is baptized by John. Jesus is anointed by John in the Jordan River. And then verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And it says he was with the wild animals. And the angels were ministering to him. Now, I said this last week, but again, let's, let's remember that the Bible does not give us extraneous details. It's often the case that when the Bible tells us something that sounds a bit odd, we're being invited to do some digging. In fact, when, when something sounds odd, it, it often provides a key to unlocking the meaning of the passage. Notice, the Gospel of Mark barely mentions the temptation of Jesus. Relative to Matthew and Luke, the Gospel of Mark barely mentions it. In just two verses, we're told that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. We're told that he spent 40 days there. We're told that he was tempted by Satan. And we're told that the angels were ministering to him. But there's one detail that stands out both because it's odd and because it's not mentioned in the other Gospels. Verse 13 says that Jesus was with the wild animals. Jesus was with the wild animals. And again, we may be tempted to just skip right over that detail. But I think it's inviting us to stop and consider. If the Gospel of Mark allocates a mere two verses to the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, why then would the Gospel of Mark bother to mention this odd, seemingly extraneous detail about wild animals? Well, we already know that the story of David is operating in the background here, so perhaps we should turn back to 1 Samuel. We know what happens after Jesus is anointed by John, right? He's sent out into the wilderness. But what happens after David is anointed by Samuel. This is 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is the very next chapter after his anointing. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. You probably know this story, so I'm not going to read all of chapter 17, but, but let me offer a few key points, all right? The, the Philistine army and the Israelite army meet where? Not rhetorical. In the wilderness. And, and, and we're told that Goliath is covered in bronze and, and armed with a coat of mail. Goliath is covered in bronze and armed with a coat of mail, but the Hebrew word there is scales, Goliath is covered in bronze scales. In other words, Goliath is a giant bronze serpent. A giant bronze serpent waiting in the wilderness. For the record, I'm not just making that up. That's not just my interpretation. Many scholars have recognized that Goliath is being depicted in this way. And the reason this is worth noting 
is that we can trace a serpent theme throughout the scriptures, beginning, of course, in the Garden of Eden. The serpent invades the garden, like the Philistine army, and presents a threat to Eve. But Adam does not step forward as her champion. Rather, he cowers in the background. And the result is the fall of humanity into sin and rebellion. But in Genesis chapter 3, God curses that serpent. He promises and he prophesies that one day, the seed of the woman, the offspring of Eve, would crush the serpent's head. Now back to 1 Samuel 17. This this giant bronze serpent is waiting in the wilderness, taunting the Israelite army, blaspheming the Israelite God, and calling for an Israelite champion. And he does this for how many days? Forty days. So the, the attentive reader of Scripture is faced with a question here. Who from among the sons of Israel, who from among the offspring of Eve, will step forward into the wilderness on Israel's behalf as Israel's champion to crush the serpent's head? And the answer is nobody. Like Adam, the Israelite army is cowering in the background until David arrives. The anointed, rightful king of Israel hears this giant bronze serpent blaspheming the living God and he becomes indignant, deeply disturbed, deeply offended. And so he volunteers to fight. Filled with the spirit, David is compelled forward into the wilderness to be Israel's champion. And at first, David is told to get real. Dude, You are no match for a giant bronze serpent. Listen to what David says in response. This is how David convinces everyone to let him face the giant bronze serpent in the wilderness. He says, I used to be a shepherd. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. In short, David was qualified to be Israel's champion because he had been with the wild animals. So why does the Gospel of Mark tell us that Jesus was with the wild animals? Because Jesus is the son of David. He is the anointed, rightful king of Israel. He will be our champion. He will fight our battles. He will fight on our behalf. He will step forward out into the wilderness to crush the serpent's head. Jesus does not casually meander into the wilderness. He is driven by the spirit into the wilderness. Like a true champion, the anointed, rightful king of Israel is running out to meet his enemy. 
And so the application today is not. Be like David. Conquer your giants. No, the the application is that Jesus has won the victory without your help. You are more than conquerors, but through him. So all praise be to the rightful king. When you were cowering in fear, exposed and helpless in the wilderness, Jesus stepped forward as your champion and fought the battle on your behalf. The victory is yours, but only because of him. Therefore, I think we should pay close attention to what happened after David defeated Goliath. After David defeated Goliath, the Israelite army was was so inspired by his faith and courage that all together they rushed upon the Philistines and they plundered them. So, what does it look like for us to follow Jesus into battle? Well, what, what did it look like for him to do battle? Think about that. How did Jesus win the victory in the first place? Here in Mark chapter 1, he won the victory by overcoming sin and temptation. And that is why the season of Lent is so appropriate and so important and so spiritually powerful. By taking 40 days to focus on fighting sin and temptation, like Jesus... We are following our champion into a battle that he has already won. And what's crazy to think about is that this is what Paul says in Romans 16. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The church will be victorious. Like Jesus, we are the offspring of Eve, and and like Jesus, we will crush the serpent's head. Or to be more precise, God will crush the serpent's head, but he will use our feet to do it. Every time you suffer faithfully, every time you resist sin, every time you resist temptation, God is crushing the serpent's head with your feet. Like the Israelite army in 1 Samuel 17, we are simultaneously the recipients of a great victory and participants in a great battle. But the wrath of Satan in the 21st century is the wrath of a loser. He may prowl around, but he does so knowing that ultimate defeat is inevitable. And so we should know that too. And we should fight accordingly. After David defeated Goliath, we're told that he took his severed head to the city of Jerusalem, which wasn't even Israelite territory at the time. Why did he do that? It's not really clear. We're not told. But we do know that hundreds of years later, Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem at a place called Golgotha, 
We're not exactly sure where the name Golgotha comes from, but the Gospels tell us that Golgotha is the place of the skull. And in fact, many scholars have suggested that Golgotha is simply a contraction of Goliath of Gath. Over time, Goliath of Gath became Golgotha. Golgotha. And if that's true then Jesus was lifted up on a cross at the very same place where David delivered the crushed head of the serpent. As our great champion, Jesus was crucified quite literally upon the crushed head of the serpent. He is our champion in the wilderness. He is our champion on the cross. And the season of Lent teaches us that that true victory, true victory in the kingdom of God looks like learning to bear your own cross. Every time you suffer faithfully, every time you resist sin, every time you resist temptation, God is crushing the head of the serpent with your feet. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, When we think we know what we need, you know what we actually need. Thank you for providing a champion to fight our battles for us. Jesus, you are the rightful king, not not only the king of Israel, but the king of every nation. You are the champion of all nations. And we thank you for your courage and faithfulness. Holy Spirit, fill us like you filled David Fill us like you filled Jesus. Help us to fight well, to to resist sin and temptation, to bear our own crosses, and so to see Satan crushed under our feet. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.